podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are aspiring world-class smut writers, but we've never actually written down a neurotica. Exactly. So we're doing a challenge. Each week we sit down. Our goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you listeners. Mm-hmm. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A Doof Media Production. A Doof Media Production. So uh, this is episode 69. Nice. The sex episode. As you may have. The sex the sex, sex episode exactly. is what it is. I'm naked right now. Um... Okay. <laughs> well, all of the parts that are relevant to uh, the podcast are naked right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't have a my. I don't. I'm not wearing gloves. Oh. And I'm not wearing a mask. So. Oh my God! Are you safe? Nakey. <laughs> are you? Oh. Okay. Uh, I am. I'm within multiple layers of building at the moment. Okay. So. Away from from COVID twenty. Yeah. Oh, uh, so uh, we did not write smut this week. The theme is romance, however, mm-hmm. uh, and I was very happy to see so many people taking on that challenge in uh, the listener submitted story section. That was really cool. Exactly, everyone but me. Whose story is on this week? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and honestly, that was mostly because um, throughout this week, it's been really hard just to kind of get into the mindset of writing, which is of course why I do the right thing. To force my myself to write, even if I don't, nece- even if I don't necessarily want to or need to, um, but through the process of just trying to to write, uh, with the first I- idea, which was a bit smutty, it was also pretty gross. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't really working okay. out. Um, look, I decided to cut my losses and start over with a idea that is more based off of truth. Um, which I don't know that that came a lot easier to write. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have any smut stories based on truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. Um... <laughs> just yeah, just state okay. Uh, so uh, <laughs> this week's words were lead, last, club, and bread. So which three did you choose this week, Jarvis? I use all of them besides lead because I just simply couldn't find uh, because lead couldn't find its place within my story. Okay, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the process or anything else you want to tell us before we get into your story? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, <clears throat> I think the best thing about me doing the right thing this this week is that it came during a time where I really didn't want to. Uh, well, want to write. Uh, and I think even if we don't want to write, it is still good to kind of force us to do so because I've kind of found that when you lack inspiration the most, that's when you can get a really good dial on your actual writing writing prowess and also what, uh-huh. what you can work it's on. It's because it's it's your most base ability. Exactly. But um, yeah, so I am kind of looking forward to seeing uh, what y'all think and what I can improve upon. All right. Let's get into it. All right. My name is Jarvis Lister, and the title of this one is Animity. You'd think there would be a max on how horrible a day could turn out. I'm talking more than just spilt milk. Putting down your dog is hard, but going through his toys is harder. Cleaning the bathroom is hard, but cleaning the crusty hair caked in to the corner is harder. 
having an endless shift in a place that makes you break out, and having a ratty boss chastise you about your popcorn sales is hard. But being sent to the back because apparently he can't trust you, and forced to be the only labor force in the whole theater is harder. Torturous even. But the time away for wanting customers, time spent in the humorous mop buckets and watered-down chemicals, likewise makes the job tolerable. Cinemark was continuously busy. It was not a premiere, it's the multitude of Indian films we bought the rights to show. So the popcorn rotated throughout the day. Ovens turned perfectly to bake samosas. And the nacho cheese was kept a chilled viscosity, similar to glue, tasted just as sweet. And before Mr. Pickov moved me to the back, the cashier's counter used to be where I signed. Used to be, because after six months on the job, I've never moved. Up nor down. Even so, my demotion cut deep. The back was left for the uglies and dumb. The ones who swallowed gum and used their position to let their friends in for free. That wasn't me. You can't put my shining smile in the back. My work ethic is unmatched. But what would you expect from a career popcorn manager? If he made the right choices, his 40s would have been far removed from Cinemark. As I was caught up in plotting on how great my last day would be, I made my rounds with the butter. The back room housed everything from candy to to soda on a wide shelving structure more wobbly than reliable. All syrups, cheese, and butter is housed in the far back. Contrary to what you might think, our boxes, yes, boxes, of butter were held next to the garbage chute in a damp corner far in the back room. In fact, it was stashed so as to let the chill of the back door keep the butter at a level of thickness. For a business run by sophomores, they were stacked as neat as you might think. So I threw off the coats laid top them and grabbed the most unblemished box, its label spouting popcorn oil, riddled with legal jargon that allows us to call it butter without paying butter prices. As soon as the box moved, a worrisome pop shifted the stack forward. The little box I had kept it steady, and, as if a bow was broken, hot oil spurts the air with something as crude as death. As the boxes slid from their spot, it only grew to the smelt of rotten eggs. It was bad. An old box busted in the corner. Butter, worn by Texas heat. Fall rain wetted from the door, and the garbage warmed its perfume. Our butter became something poisonous back there. My eyes watered like a tearjerker. A burn singed my taste buds, almost smelled like burnt bread left in the oven to broil. We made something impossible in that corner. One little call and a photo to the FDA could shut this place down until further notice. We'd all get demoted. But I rose above the fucking I was handed and poured bleach on the entire operation. A model citizen, dedicated worker. Pickoff's been trying to fire this outstanding worker for years. And now, I got me a little secret. Here's the hustle. First, 
Wait till everything slows down. It's the best time to restock and clean since some entitled family ain't staring at you. As you wait, switch out the cola bags. Try not to get any syrup on you and hope you'll be able to stomach soda after. Then you sweep, throw away damaged food, and scroll on your phone till telling footsteps open the door. I was determined this time to prove my boss wrong and finally get in to his little club of managers. So I worked quickly, tossed syrup bags like I went pro in shot put and attached the nozzles with minimum drippage. As I was sorting out the non-contaminated butter, Edna came in. She was nosy, enjoyed some gossip, and started talking quite loud about our boss, Mr. Pickoff. I too enjoyed some tea, so I kept an ear open. Have you seen his wife? Edna said, preempting an insult. Her teeth whistle just like his. She chatted with a new hire, a friend she put on. Did you see him at the training? Ha! <laughs> when he wore his high school clothes? Yeah, shrunk a bit since the 70s. They chuckled loud enough to echo. To be honest, I did too. It hit somewhere deep that caused my, my lungs to jerk my whole body. And that was when I spilled the butter, broke the box it came in, and even pierced the bag. It hadn't just sprung a leak either. The entire bag was filling the room. Concentrated butter oil seeping under doors to the outside and wetting the only clean boxes left. I looked up half expecting to get fired, but no one was around. Edna had gone, Pickoff was on break, and I really didn't like working there. So in Cinemark fashion, I left the oil, grabbed a new box, and decided to go with it was there when I got there, pushing the blame on the last high schooler to be reprimanded. After switching everything out, I finally figured out what my last day of work would look like. Decided it would be tomorrow. Took a picture of the sick in the corner and made a little phone call. Okay, uh, lovely story, Jarvis. Uh, decidedly not romantic, mm -hmm. uh, unless if you find fermented butter oils... <laughs> Uh, to be romantic, which I mean, to some people it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought this story was really interesting. Uh, there's some uh, turns of phrase in here that I really, really love, actually. Um, and yeah, so uh, do you want to talk about what was the, the, the truth of this story and what particularly made you want to do this particular kind of scene? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> since this was definitely a second try, I decided to try and uh, take a spin on uh, the uh, number 69, and also the sexual position. So then I okay. basically used, uh -huh. used that for the overall kind of, I guess, trajectory of the story. Um, and take and taking a spin on the idea of romance, I tried, I tried to make my main character quite narcissistic. You know, to show that he loves his self. He has this kind of uh -huh. self-romance going on. Um, so yeah, I... I do feel that with the, the story, there were a lot of ideas going into it. Um, if I could make it longer, I know a, a lot of those could come out even more. Um, so yeah, but for right now, I think it is definitely a really solid outline for something that could be a lot better. 
Well, I was definitely disgusted by uh, good, the good. oils. That's why I need it. And um, how it just splashes around everywhere. I, I think for me, the where it falters a little bit is just that you kind of set up this uh, this plot going on with how the main character is going to blackmail the uh, head manager or or do something to sort of turn the tables and then at the end it sort of i mean he drops the thing and then says fuck it never mind i'm out <laughs> uh and so and it didn't feel like it was at the very peak mm-hmm. of that plot it was felt like it was about halfway through and so I think that's the one thing where I'm like, okay, there could have been a little bit more at this to 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 execute that. Like, if at the very last sec- second before he's about to like show it to the guy, to the to the manager, that's when he drops it, and it makes things things even worse, and he gets fired mm-hmm. for it. That would be something. Yeah, uh, and I uh, and I think right? that's pretty much because I didn't know where I wanted the story to end, and I was running out of time because I know um, the first idea that i that i had going going into it is that there would be a lot more between um the main character and his boss um basically to show both both sides of this issue um and yeah i i did expect there to be more when it comes to the gross box in the uh, corner but then you know by by that time i was all i was already punching upwards of a one hour so i just had to kind of cut it short but i know definitely if i had more time to go back i would pretty much right after he finds the a box of uh, grossness and uh there's that pause in the middle of the mm-hmm. story i would just totally rework the the last half and try and see if i can take it somewhere a lot more a lot more interesting instead of just adding in this other gossip character to get the main character to laugh, to get him to drop the box, you know? Right, right. I mean, you could always just, like, trip. Yeah. Right? Exactly, exactly. Um, And I think the main reason why I kept that section is because I have um, laughed so so hard while working there that I have dropped a, a, a whole box of butter. And it did burst, and it was a horrible feeling. Uh huh. So I was trying to pretty much just pull that <laughs> over, but as I was writing it, I quickly realized that that moment didn't necessarily find its place within the story that I was working on previously. Yeah, yeah, I could see how it might feel a little, little bit contrived, but um, but yeah, it works here. So I want to uh, then now I want to transition to to talk about some of the, the things I really really liked. Um, I really like this opening definition where the, this this refrain that you mm-hmm. have at the very beginning. Um, not necessarily the definition, but um, putting down your dog mm-hmm. is hard, but going through his toys is harder. And then you go on with uh, cleaning the bathroom is hard, but cleaning the crusty hair kicked into the corners is harder. Having an endless shift in the place that literally makes you break out and have ratty boss chastise you about your popcorn sales is hard, but being sent to the back because apparently he can't trust you and forced to be the only labor force in the whole theater is harder. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really like this, this idea. Um, particularly, I mean, I like the, the first one mm-hmm. the, the yeah. most. I don't know. I think it's very poetic and I, I would love to see that sort of sentiment echoed in a in a different place where it's a little bit more uh like higher mm-hmm. stakes and stuff but the whole idea of like um the initial act is extremely difficult but like dealing with the aftermath is even 
more difficult, <clears throat> even if it is like physically easier. Uh, I really like that. Yeah, that thank sentiment. you. And um, I know during that section, it was mostly me just trying to find the voice. Another thing I really liked, um, and this is just a little line, but um, talking about the the popcorn oil when it first appears, um, grabbing the the most unblemished box, its label spouting popcorn oil, and riddled with legal jargon that allowed us to call it butter without paying butter prices. <laughs> I just like that that turn of phrase there at the oh, end. Oh, thank a lot. you. <laughs> I like know as as soon as I did started working at a um, at a movie theater, that was something that I could never stop thinking about because they they called it popcorn butter for fucking years dude and it turns out there's no there's no butter Uh in there it's just flavored oil (laughs) that we pour in this tiny canister so that it can sit in there with the with the fucking day-old kernels like working there was pretty gross um Uh, well i mean i'll be honest what's what's the big what's the big deal like if it tastes good like I mean, butter's not good for you in the first place, exactly. right? So how much worse could popcorn I mean, oil that is be? very true, right? It's just that I found it very shocking that there was this crucial fallacy that I was living with. That if, that if popcorn butter isn't butter, well, what else are they lying about, right? So if you were, go, if you were to go back in and uh, change some stuff, uh, other than mm-hmm. what we've already said, what would you change? Um, I would... Definitely go back in and quickly fi- quickly figure out exactly what my angle on this story is going to be. Uh, do I want it to be this uh, metaphor for 69ing? Or should I just bring forward the narcissism of the main character even more so? And just make that the entire story. Uh, and I think as soon as I make that choice, uh, that will quickly dictate how i change the the rest of the story from that point and yeah uh pretty much after that it's just working on on the ending and just trying to figure out exactly where i want these characters to end up but overall i i do feel that um writing this story has been a great learning experience nonetheless (laughs) that's that's good and what do you think you learned writing it what I learned while writing this is that, at least for me, when I do feel feel lost within a story, uh, something that I want to, to try more is to bring it to somewhere that is more familiar in a sense, whether that be in setting or within, or within character. For me, going, okay. off of those th- uh, going off of those things that I do know, uh, I am able to actually push the story forward uh yeah that makes a lot of sense anything else we uh should talk about before we move on to the no i don't story really section? think so but i think the first thing we should do is to move on to our listener submitted story section so thank you so much to everyone who has submitted a story this week but to those that haven't or to those that are listening right now we are are about to spoil all of the stories we are going to talk about so you should pause right now, go listen to the stories we are about to announce, and then come back and chat with us. The stories we're going to talk about this week are by Ace of Sword, Ghost Pac-Man 4, Sarah Penguin, Haunt of the Heron, and Nipitin. Nice. And the first one up this week will be by Sarah Penguin with the Spymaster and the Princess Part 12. To the Princess, go the spoil. 
And uh, Sarah Penguin um, tags us as slightly not safe for work, but it's 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 pretty all right. Uh, I think just a, a little bit of implied nudity at the end, so so d- pretty pretty Wait, all right. Nudity? Um, no, nothing. I have to skim over. Yeah, a, a little bit, which would would be dangerous in any workplace. So this is the the ongoing series that Sarah Penguin has done. A whole twelve entries. That's very impressive. Mm. A, a spy master named uh, Faye has rescued the princess named Lillian, and uh, they're kind of doing a, a civil war to to in, in the kingdom to to get her back or th- her throne. Uh, as a they start to get a a little romance going, which is uh pretty good for this week. So. The first half of this uh, short story takes place in a medical tent after a big battle uh, that that happened recently. Uh, there's a lot of people injured there. We get some some descriptions of how um, I, I'm not entirely sure if it's magic or just some sort of um, alchemical like uh, witchcraft kind mm-hmm. of kind of magic. Yeah. Uh, but there's these these uh, priestesses uh, that hold a wooden stick a witching stick that's that's covered in a salve and um can give some people hallucinations i think it's almost implied that that like kills them in the in the process as a sort of like sweet release of death but i'm not entirely sure Mm -hmm. so the the battle has been been pretty bad as we walk through the camp there's a lot of people that's been traumatized uh and it's it's kind of a little bit dark um it's definitely not the 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 fun aftermath of of any sort of battle in, in in usual stories uh, but she goes to Lillian, who is is taking off her armor and helps her uh, take off the rest, uh, which, you know, gets her naked in the process. As they s- exchange a little bit of dialogue, they do a little bit of uh, only slightly flirting. But for the most part, they're talking about how um, Lillian, the, the princess, feels that she failed today because she wasn't able to order archers to, to kill people. Faye telling her that she did her best. Lillian also telling her that the the spy master should forgive herself for not saving her sooner from uh, where she was before and it's a really sweet moment at the end where they're um holding each other and uh for the first time it feels lillian the the princess is comforting the spy master mm-hmm. and telling her that everything's okay yeah. so i think this is a really great uh tail end to the battle that we got last time um, and yeah, I, I really love how this is the perfect uh, culmination of all of the something that was happening between them. And it's written in such a sweet manner that, I don't know, it uh, brings warmth to my heart. And I'm actually very happy for these for these characters. So really great entry. Yeah, I, I like the, the just ongoing characterization of, of them. And I like how their, their relationship is kind of uh, changing over time, where in the beginning it was mostly just some, some cute flirting and things, and now we've, we're getting to deeper emotions as they, uh, yeah, comfort each other in, in their doubts. So the next story is by Ace of Sword with Scourge. So uh, here we open up on a graveyard with the uh, headstone of a particular grave uh, being blank. A person named Go- Godfroyd is standing in front of it when another uh, Yadan appears and is kind of angry that Godfroyd is, is there. And um, they, they exchange some dialogue here, Yadan saying that Godfroyd has no right to be here because he didn't actually love her, the person in the grave, while Yidan did, and uh, that Godfroyd uh, sent her to her death. And then Godfroyd says to him that there wasn't really anything he could do. She was uh, controlled. Uh, she she was uh, converted to some uh, fanatical cult 
of uh, the main, the many-faced goddess, and uh, she'd been corrupted and basically was about to be turned into face of love, which we kind of understand as some kind of supernatural uh, cultist sort of thing. And so uh, she was executed, and it was this big tragedy, but Yudan is still really angry about it. Gottfreud leaves the graveyard, uh, allowing Yudan to, to stay, and then we switch to more Yudan's perspective as uh, we see w- what he's really here to do. He digs up the grave. So uh, the, the person in the grave, her name is, is Saha. We see that there is lead poured into her eyes and uh, mouth and on her wound over her neck where her head was cut off. And they've been inscribed with anti-necromancy uh, corpses. But uh, Yudan is really steadfast. He wants to bring her back to life because she didn't deserve this because she was actually a very sweet person, corrupted or not. Uh, a dozen voices whisper in his mind as he starts casting a spell. Uh, he says that she was wonderful, and then the the voices ask for what his real reason is. He says that he can't let her go. Uh, the The voices warn him that he's not actually going to get what he wants. He, mm. she's, she might come back, but she won't be able to, to love him or anything. But it still grants his, his wish, and we understand that all those voices are the voices of the, of the many-faced goddess which makes a lot of sense it's it's one of those reveals where like oh of course of course mm-hmm. and uh, she rises from the grave as a face of hate uh a terrifying monster that is definitely going to murder a lot of people <laughs> so yeah uh i think this story is really ripe with uh, with this world building uh, and the romance of it kind of toes the the line between romance and a uh, and a tragedy. So yeah, I think it's a really great entry. I think it's written very well, um, and I am kind of looking forward to seeing um, what this revived Saha is uh, gonna do uh, because it's kind of being built up as uh, pretty much as to what you said that she's going to wreak havoc. Yeah, and I like how it it delivers that classic, you know, theme of you can't actually bring people back because when you do that, they actually don't. In holding on, basically, the holding on to uh, memories of the past too strongly will will make them worse than they were at the time, mm-hmm. right? She's no longer yeah. a being of of love and and kindness. She's now this this hateful thing, and it's not actually her anymore. So really great story, uh, Ace of Swords. Uh, and next up is by Nipotin with Indigo Language. Which is in two parts. Mm-hmm. So we open here on an out- the outside of a library with um, Michael then uh, bumps into Nancy. And they immediately start exchanging dialogue. And most almost entirely the story is just dialogue with only mm-hmm. a, a couple lines of, of action. And so we, we kind of get this, this refrain that is repeated a couple of times, this initial interaction where Michael bumps into Nancy. They, they exchange some, some, some words. Uh, wait, huh? I mean, there's something wrong? No. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of this sort of cut-off dialogue between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we learn over the course of this that they went to high school together. Nancy remembers Michael. Michael doesn't quite remember Nancy. And they exchange words about what they're what they're doing. This is sort of at the library. And Nancy apparently was part of the the bakery club. Then they basically exchange some words about how they sort of uh, glowed up after after high school. They 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 started looking a lot better than they did back then. 
Michael uh, at this point is actually in in a band. Uh, he's the lead singer of it, and uh, though we don't find out until a little bit later, he's actually only here occasionally. He's usually like touring around. So we sort of do a, a recut where where we get the the beginning again, where they do that bumping into each other thing. They exchange mm-hmm. that initial dialogue, and it's it, except it goes on different this time. Where I think this time Nancy asks Michael out, uh, and then another time we 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 see this scene again. This time. Um, Nancy says, fuck me, <laughs> which I'm not entirely sure if that's a request or just like, this is an accident. Mm-hmm. And we see it uh, one more time where, where this time, uh, Nancy launches into an entire speech about how, though he probably doesn't remember it when she did the, the bakery club, she once, uh, did a bake sale. She was the only one there. No one was really paying attention to her, but he went up, he bought a strawberry tart from her and, uh, made her feel, um, that she was worth some attention and complimented her on her baking and made her feel good about herself and that it was really meaningful to her. And Michael just doesn't quite know what to say. And then um, she asks him out, uh, saying that he can come over and bake some for for him. And then we get another cut, sort of. Um, And I'm not entirely sure where this takes place in the continuity because it doesn't have the same refrain at this beginning. It seems like it could be going off of a lot of the ones from before. Uh, like, like it's it's uh, something that would happen after many of our our openings that we had during this, yeah. and uh, and this one, Nancy asks if he has time for some coffee. There's a there's a pastry place nearby, and they could go. And then he says, "Sorry, he has a, a gig tonight. He's going to meet his band for rehearsal." And uh, he invites her to come, but it, eventually this, it seems it's not really going to happen. They exchange phone numbers, but he's going to be going to uh, Europe for some time. And uh, he is actually uh, engaged to uh, the his um, to Beth, who was in their chemistry class, but um, now plays bass in his band. It's kind of like this is not going to turn out at all how mm-hmm. Nancy wanted. So I think this is a. This is, I know this summarizing took a while here. Uh, this is just a, a kind of complex story where where um, the storytelling structure is is really interesting and, and multi layered, and almost all of it was told through dialogue as well. Yeah, um, and yeah, on the idea of the structure of of the story, uh, I do like it very much that it is only dialogue for the most part. Um, it really kind of gives you this snappiness within their uh, conversation, along with how they're both kind of stumbling over their their words too. Uh, and I do like how throughout the whole story, we do run through a list of uh, possible outcomes. And I think that is really cool. Um, honestly, for me, the only thing that I feel is holding this story back is that at certain times, I wasn't completely sure who was talking. Well, when you do read it straight through, uh, it is very clear to kind of tell because it's, you know, every other line is a person talking. Reading back back through it to to look for certain things did have its challenges because it, it is kind of hard to tell who is speaking. But overall, I think it's a really great um, story that has a fantastic frame. So I think, it's, yeah, it's really cool. The Yeah, the advice I would give for... Uh, clearing up the confusion about who is speaking is one, the obvious is you could add dialogue tags. The other one, which I think um, is the more interesting one, is just to change the voices so it becomes pretty obvious on who's speaking in in every line. There's a lot of lines where it's only like one word and then it gets cut off, which I I think is really, you know, entertaining, but 
since there's so many of them and both characters are doing that, all of those lines become able to be said by either of them, basically. Mm-hmm. So when like one line is oh, the next one is shit, the next one is I'm, uh, it like either character could be saying either of those. So if there was more of a disparity of like maybe one is getting cut off way more than the other, maybe um, one is you know completing whole thoughts, or maybe they just have different ways of speaking that are kind of clear. Uh, maybe only one curses that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would help uh, clear that up. And, and of course, you always can remind people with dialogue tags, which you don't have to put everywhere, but just every now and then. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, oh, but I mean, overall, it's a really great entry. Right? And next up is Haunt of the Heron with closed doors. So this is a, a fun story. We open uh, with uh, some some exposition of how 37 years ago, the third door, capital T, capital D, was opened. What remains of civilization has more or less recovered. So we, we kind of get this, this really interesting description of how uh, now there are these storms and um, aspects of nature that are basically abstract concepts. Right now in, in the era above our main characters uh, are clouds of of despair and um, a lot of other things that are that are, are other emotions or concepts, uh, hurricanes that um, that put abstract pressure upon uh, people, um, those things. But but now at this point, civilization uh, has progressed enough that they have shelters, plans, countermeasures, that kind of thing. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, terrible things that happen. That I, I kind of understand that maybe a lot of things get like deleted from existence, basically, but. Our main character, Soren, uh, is basically traveling with um, his husband, Ears. Ears? Ears? Ears. I'll just say Ears. And uh, Ears is is kind of described as basically strikingly handsome and smooth and basically like the the, the, sort of Prince Charming. Um, There's some great characterization of how he leans over his horse and like effortlessly, you know, kisses his his husband and like gets back in the saddle as if it was nothing. even though that act would actually be really difficult, so it's really it's really cute, and we can really tell how much these these characters care for each other, and uh, we we get more description about um, what's going on here. They're basically going to go to meet this council by the liminal sanctum, which is where the hall of doors is, which is a, a fascinating concept here. It's this uh, hallway of endless infin- infinity doors. Uh, with only three of them open, only the first three. The first one is where they entered this world. The last one was um, destroyed, essentially, is, is how we understand it, or, or something bad happened. The second door is also a wasteland, uninhabitable, uh, useless and uninteresting, but it's otherwise fine. And then the third door, uh, they opened it, and that's where all the abstract, horrible things came from. And uh, they basically, in the wake of that, vowed to never open any more doors, even though there's infinity of them, which is kind of just... The curiosity you would feel looking at that is just mind-destroying. Like, how could you not, you know? Yeah, like it's endless um, possibility with unlimited doors. And, and considering the very third one was storms of abstract concepts, you're kind of like, <laughs> ooh, boy, uh, anything can happen here, huh? And uh, so uh, Soren is, re- is really proud of years for uh, basically being someone that, that does expeditions into these other places. We understand that um, he's been leading expeditions into the, into the third door after things kind of settled down and sort of been mining these abstract concepts back, which can then be used basically in sort of magical ways. Like you just apply the concept to something and it, it takes place. 
And uh, this kind of comes to a, a, a twist in fruition of the plot when um, Soren, who internally has been saying that while he supports this husband in, in all his endeavors, opening another door, which is what um, Beerus is, is on his way to give a, give a speech in favor of, would be disastrous and, and far too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so the sometime before Beerus is, is set to give his speech, Soren uh, takes out a vial of error, a, the abstract concept of error, and pours it into um, Eir's, uh drink. And so Eir is going to drink that and presumably um, really mess up during the speech, won't be able to uh, get their expedition, and uh, their relationship will fall apart in the wake of it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's right. what you got to do to save the world. So Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Which, I really like this, this story. Um, the beginning was simply just a bunch of a uh, world world building and it uh and it, it definitely felt like that was a point where the ball started to to roll and then as soon as we jumped into this story i was really um in encapsulated by this hall of um of this endless doors and that there's unheard of possibility behind each each one of them uh, and i do like how this story goes from this big picture to a very one-on-one situation between a person who is uh, enthralled by this curiosity to someone who just wants to use caution when it comes to messing with with these things from this from this other world. So yeah, I think there are a lot of great ideas that are being used here, and I think it's a fantastic entry. Yeah, uh, Hunt of the Heron in um, their own comment uh, addresses that. To- they feel that they fell into the trope of LGBT relationships can't be happy and uh, they um, don't want to be doing that. Um, and I think that's definitely something to be concerned about. But I think the, to be wary of that trope is generally more important when it comes to like longer pieces with like multiple LGBT mm-hmm. relationships as if like, you know, if you write a novel and every single gay relationship is really sad and bad, <laughs> then that's that's problematic. But in something like a short story where you only have two characters, um, so long as at least in some of your short stories you do have a happy gay relationship, I, th- I think it's it's pretty all right. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we end up writing tragedies a lot, and if you wrote tragedies all the time. And, you know, you never wanted to have sad gay characters. You would just never write sad. You would never write gay characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just saying that uh, maybe, yeah, you don't have to feel so bad about it. Not that you should write happy gay characters next time. But, (laughs) um, but, yeah, just don't feel feel bad about sometimes making your um, relationships turn bad. Also, I think this this relationship was was really happy and well done. It's just, you know, hubris is going on here. So. Exactly. Um, regarding the exposition, I think uh, it, the only time the exposition was really getting a little bit too much was was in the, the latter half when it was talking about all the ex- expeditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it, it flowed pretty well. So, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and next up, which is our final one for this week, is by Ghost Pac-Man 4 with A Killer Is Near. The, this takes place in an inn when a maid... Uh, informs the guest that there has been a murder. One of the tenants has just been the, killed the night before. And so one of our characters, who's uh, arrived only this morning, wasn't there during the death, has uh, taken it upon themselves to be the detective and, and find out uh, who the killer was because they were a guard once. So there's uh, three characters. There's this priest, there's a shady-looking guy, and the, the third one is dressed in shabby yet colorful clothes. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so he's going to in, in interrogate all three of them. So we open, we first we have the, the priest, and this is where it gets a pretty typical, um, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it like that, but it's, it's that nice um, uh, mystery setup where we meet the priest, uh, and there's some suspicious stuff. He has a sword which has blood on it, mm-hmm. but he talks about how um, he always uh, he he o- he's only ever used it on like dead animals, not even alive ones. So that's that's where that must be from. He he's he never kills any animal any animals. However, he also gives some strange hint about how almost always uh, as in his travels there will be dead animals or someone will mysteriously die. And so we're like, okay, there's some <laughs> some mystery getting set up here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not one of these three guys. Maybe there's some like creepy monster. Who knows? And so um, the next one, which is uh, Adam, is the the shady looking guy, who uh, our our main character asks about it and. Um, the, the shady guy says, oh, um, no, I didn't kill him, but if I'd known that he had money on him, like you say, uh, I totally would have. And her main <laughs> character's like, what? And he goes, uh, yeah, no, um, I mean, I didn't, but um, yeah, I would definitely want to steal his stuff. That's that's basically what I do. Uh, and if he caught me stealing his stuff, I would have killed him. And if there was other people trying to stop me, I would kill them too. But I didn't. <laughs> so, you know, that's it. So that's an interesting thing, and, we're, and and we really do feel like he is the least likely suspect, because uh, that's just an outrageous thing to say. <laughs> and uh, then we get to our, our final one, which uh, we get our, the first hint that something's weirds going on here, where the the one before um, says that this person's name is is Blake, and uh, we open with that character saying, "My name is Stefan," and giving a story that seems really fake. They call themselves a blacksmith when their hands are all clean. Uh, and they say that they're going to uh, a port that they never fought before. And uh, then it, it seems like they are just lying outright, that they arrived this morning and not last night, and that they came on a horse when there are no horses. And uh, then they ask, the, the the main character asks some questions again, asking, um, what do you do for a living? What are you trying to do? And basically, like, not making any sense at all. And uh, being the most suspicious, and I'm at this point, I was like, okay, this is clearly some monster. <laughs> and so we get to our final scene. Our our suspects are are sat down, all three in front, and then our main character kills them all one after another <laughs> in a really bloody fashion. And uh, the maid screams, and, and then our, our our main character picks up, um, searches the the last one, uh, the 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 creepy one. Um, picks up a, a bag of stolen jewels and says, aha, he was the murderer. And the maid says, oh, why did you kill them all? That's that's horrible. And he's like, what What are you talking about? I couldn't sleep while there was a killer nearby and I didn't know which one it was, so <laughs> I, I killed them all. What's the big deal? Yeah, it's a, it's a fun twist at the end here. Yeah, it's a very fun twist. Um, and I think this, this story really gives us really interesting characters. Like, I really in, uh, enjoyed hearing Adam speak and how he's saying all of the wrong things, but because he is saying that, uh, he has to be innocent. So yeah, I, uh, I just think that this story is very well con- constructed, and the twist at the very end was entirely unexpected, but at the same time, I really do love it for that. So yeah, I, I think this is a fantastic entry, and it, it was done very well. Yeah, um, I, I, my only thing is that I think there's enough like set up here that I think it would be 
like I, I really did want to see what the like the actual like mystery solution was. Yeah. Uh, so like this was really fun and uh, I laughed, but at the at the other end, uh, another take on the story obviously is the satisfying resolution where mm-hmm. we find out what what the hell is going on over here. Yeah. Because there's there's a like multiple threads that are very strange and are demanding answers that we don't quite see. <laughs> But yes, thank you so much to everyone who did write this week. We do wish that we could talk about all of them. But of course, um, our voices just aren't that strong. But we do want to say thank you to everyone who (laughs) did write this week. So, thank you very much to Sarah Penguin. Ace of Sword. Nipleton. Haunt of the Heron. Jarby Jazz. Sithril. Ghost Pac-Man 4. No Goodbye. Bisexual Punch Party. And Reddish Kangaroo. Nice. And we also want to say thank you to everyone who did leave a comment. Uh, leaving a comment not only helps you understand what you can do better within your own story, but you're also pro- providing someone else with really great feedback, which is pretty much the whole reason why we're doing the right thing in the first place. So, that's right. Thank you very much to Ace of Sword, Sarah Penguin, Nippleton, Reddish Kangaroo, Haunt of the Heron. Uh, and Sithril. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers, all you have to do is go to our subreddit, which is slash r slash do the right thing. Uh, and then you can leave your story there and, and leave comments on other people's stories. Because, of course, that is a great way not only to uh, help someone else out, but also improve your own analytical skills. It was really, really satisfying to go through and see that basically every single story had multiple comments. That was really awesome. Yeah, which just means that um, our uh, weekly writers get better by the day. And I could not be prouder of yeah, all. Yeah, y'all are, y'all are really awesome. It, it's really so cool to see y'all keep it on for so long and and reading so many amazing stories like i i kind of want to just calculate how many stories have been written over the course of this podcast and just Mm -hmm. uh, so many of them are so so good you guys are awesome but if you uh, don't have a Reddit account uh, or just want to reach out to us and, and tell us what's up tell us how you feel uh say hi um tell us how your day went and stuff you can send us an email at rightthinkcast at gmail.com uh and mm-hmm. we can uh, post your story for you exactly and if you want to see next next week's words as soon as as possible well you could just wait to the end of the podcast or you can go to our twitter which is at rightthinkcast yeah you could you could stop this podcast right this second and go see the words and be spoiled on, on our ending right now that's what you could do right now um yeah so uh, we, of course, are, are part of Doof Media. Uh, we're a proud member of the network. And so I uh, just want to share some, some things that are going on this week. This very week, um, we are doing a Doof cast over um, the uh, 80s anime uh, Akira, uh, which I will be <gasps> guesting on, which I'm very excited for because oh, Akira nice. is fantastic. So um, I'm very excited to just, just keep talking about the motorcycle slide and but mostly just yell Kanada <laughs> Tetsuo over and over again that's that's what that podcast is going to be so please do that for 2 hours <laughs> i will that's that's a that's a guarantee uh, and of course there's always <laughs> so many other things going on um, decomposing worm is, is coming back this week there's that that fan art contest that we we mentioned last week as well the uh, game club went on recently i think the book club is this week as well cuz it was delayed a week um, just some really, really awesome stuff always going on. And uh, something I haven't plugged in a while, uh, our, our show on the network, mm, What You Say, where uh, Scott and, and Elise Daly uh, watch the OC and just generally 
talk about their lives and have a good time. It's a re- it's a really positive thing. So, highly recommend that as usual. Uh, yeah. And if you want to go and support us and all of these other wonderful podcasts on our on our network, you can do that by going to the Doof Media Patreon. And giving a dollar or more per month. Not only are you helping us basically create this this content for you, but you will also gain gain access to the Doof Media Discord. Yeah, it's a great time on there, as as we always mention. And uh, we should also remind you all that uh, be, becoming a Doof uh, Media patron it gives you uh, a higher chance of getting selected each week. Um, if you have never reached out to us to tell us that you are uh, a Doof Media Patreon, um, or a patron, uh, please do so, especially if you're someone uh, new, so we can add you to that list. Well, all right. I think it's time to announce next week's words, yeah? Uh, can I get a quick drum roll? Ding. Maestro. Ding. Maestro. Ding. Can I, can I get a drum roll, maestro? I, um, I, just, I, I only brought a triangle. Oh. Damn. We know that's good enough. Um, <laughs> it's The better. words for next... <laughs> So the words for next week, which will be episode 70, are credit, resource, history, and smell. And also, the theme for that week will be scripts. So please, bring the best script you can possibly bring. Yeah, uh, so if you've always, if you've ever wanted to try out script writing, uh, this is the week to do it. Uh, in the uh, Reddit thread for next week, I have put a link to how formatting is done. You can also go to various uh, script formatting websites um, like Celtex, which are which are free. A little bit, it takes a little bit to get used to them, but uh, if you don't want to do it all manually, that's all right. Uh, on the other hand, you know we'll, we'll be posting it on Reddit, so most of the formatting is going to fall apart anyway. So don't worry too much mm-hmm. about it. Uh, credit, as in credit is due. Uh, there's like a like a line of credit, which is kind of mm-hmm. the. Uh, um, or, or not necessarily specifically the line of credit, but credit when used in the context of, of banks and things is how much you can basically be trusted with the money, uh, how consistent you have been. Or credits are often used as a currency in, in sci-fi mm-hmm. settings. Um, <laughs> resource, which is a any so, sort of thing that um, can be used to build other things or be converted into other, other objects or uh, is mined, that kind of thing. Or you could use it as mm-hmm. to resource something. So to take a source and resource it. I don't know Put what it. that yeah. would mean, <laughs> but you could do that. Uh, history as the, the study of the past, or the study of the stories of the past, if you want to be more specific. And uh, smell, which is the verb to smell, and also the <sighs> noun, which is a smell in the air that you get in your nose Mm. it's kind of like it's related to to taste (laughs) cool so next week what script are you going to be writing matthias well uh so i'm uh going to be studying um the history of those smelly creatures skunks so uh little little do you know and little does the world know that skunks are actually an untapped resource they are actually all 
um, psychokinetics, as in they all have uh, psychokinetic powers. The only way that they can do that, however, is they they spray you with um, their, their smelly, basically tagging liquid. And once you're tagged, though, that's how they can fuck you up, right? Um, however, uh, you know, credit where it's due, this was actually discovered a long time ago by uh, Plato, who was the first one to uh, milk a, a skunk's essence, which is kind of how he oh. discovered the, the, the forms, Plato's forms. And um, the whole thing with the cave basically was was basically a fever trip on the on on the fever trip is what I is totally what I meant, what I meant to say, where um, he he did that for the first time and, and sort of consumed that and took that in and gained supernatural powers for a very short period of time. Now I'm not entirely sure if skunks are native to Greece or if Plato um, sort of was called by skunks to North America, which is, I, is where I know that they are, um, and um, sort of was 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 teleported. Uh, and teleported back, or if it's the other way around, it actually uh, Plato was a skunk this entire time, um, and that's the sort of thing that um, historians are are really trying to find find out uh, to this day. And that is what I'm, I'm I'm actually doing a documentary over historians trying to figure this out. Oh, okay, okay. Well, damn, I I can't read to uh, I can't wait to uh, read that that script. It seems very can't inf- read to wait it informative. I can't read to wait it. So uh, my story for next week, um, well, you know, you've heard of Weekend City. I've mm-hmm. talked that to, to death. But have you heard of Concrete City? Con- um. Concrete City is the small slice of life. A hop, skip, and a jump away from Weekend. In, in fact, if, if Weekend City was the top one per percent the people living in concrete are the bottom one they don't have any they don't have any re resources whatsoever besides the clothes on on their back and mines ready to make money make creds which is the currency (laughs) in waif and and of course when i have to talk about uh, when i talk about concrete i have to talk about its history you see you see concrete city used to be an old mining town that one day dried up but the people there weren't paid well enough in the beginning so they could never move move out of their dead city so it's a dead city with with horrible smells everywhere and this story follows three young hopefuls trying whatever they can to get out of concrete city wow Sounds harrowing. Thank you. Did they tell you yeah, that uh, sounds... that the, my neighborhood was called Cement City because because there's like there's just cement. There's cement? like no green. Oh yeah, pretty good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I think I think the best thing about Concrete City is that they always do the right thing. Do the right thing. Have have a great weekend, yeah. y'all. It's yeah. Monday. Go take a nap.